New from the Fox News Podcast Network. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. And I had nothing to do with her disappearance. I sit down with the people who lived the nightmares. I was in shock. I was just devastated. The investigators who tirelessly worked on the case. And I really hope that they can catch this guy. Bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Listen and follow now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. Well, it's been a little while since free agency, and free agency's been, you know, what it's been. Vikings added another guard not too long ago, a couple days ago. So I wanted to let the other show bleed out a bit, maybe get a little bit closer to the draft. I think I'm getting a little teeny bit closer now. Cleanups still have not started, so again, there'll be hiatuses here and there like there always are in these uh, off-season shows, so in between. So the next episode will be a draft review, so we're talking early May most likely, or the very end of April. This is the one, though. This is the draft preview show that we've been waiting for, and hopefully a show where we'll be talking about the future star offensive line for the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, uh, the Vikings definitely have an opportunity here to not only bolster an offensive line, but make it actually pretty good. Or at least I hope they can. (laughs) That type of thing. Last year, lots of offensive linemen were available, name after name after name, that could have helped this team. But then they were taken, and then the Vikings all of a sudden went for a cornerback, hoping they would swoop back down and take another one of those guys. And they're all just gone. I mean, I mean, they're just gone, basically. And the Vikings reached and took Brian O'Neill, and it worked out. So, okay, (laughs) it worked out, but... uh, well, it's better to be lucky than good, I guess. Um, Mike Hughes was a pretty good player. Very nice uh, cornerback. Not a bad draft pick. And if, with the fact of players possibly leaving, getting older, oft injured, like Xavier Rhodes and such, Mike Hughes may end up not being a very bad draft pick at the end of the day. Plus the fact that he can return kicks again, provided that he's healthy. So we hope. And again, uh, Amir Abdullah brought back to, I'm not sure he's going to be the third round running back, third string running back. But he will play on special teams, that's for sure. He'll be a returner of some sorts. He might be the third round back, or maybe the third round back will be taken in this draft, as we're going to look at a couple guys. Of course, we're going to be very heavy offensive line in this conversation today. And we're going to talk defensive line a little bit, and a position that has been ignored forever, despite the fact guys were taken in the draft a few years back, and then have been re-signed, and this and that. But it's the fact that there's three linebackers, not two, on a football team. Like, it's nice to have two because, you know, you got the nickel packages, all that good stuff. So... We're okay with Ben Gideon. He's a good player, and he's a good special teamer. But maybe you want to upgrade a little tiny bit without losing Ben Gideon. That type of thing. So linebacker, definitely a position that's been ignored the past couple of years. And it would be nice to have a <laughs> uh, an upgrade at the linebacker position. i got to think somewhere in this draft or a possible trade-up late in the first round, the Spielman Classics in the past. Uh, let's try to stay away from the New England Patriots, though, when it comes to trades, because I think they beat us. I think they beat us a couple times. Fourth-round pick for Randy Moss, who... Had 23 touchdowns that uh, uh, eventually, so uh, I don't know. Or actually, no, we gave up the third-round pick for Moss. It was backwards, and of course, Moss obviously stomped us in a big way. So I don't know. Uh, Not a situation you want to deal with. And, I mean, Randy Moss basically didn't even show up at at the end of the day for the Vikings. Didn't really want to be here with Brad Childress as coach. I'm sure he was happy to be back to a point, but at the end of the day, yeah, whatever. That was years ago. Let's just move on. we got to look forward here a bit. But uh, the linebacker position, hopefully Minnesota can get this done. Uh, talk about the Vikings trading uh, Kyle Rudolph to the Patriots, or the Patriots may want to trade for Rudolph. Again, let's just stay away from the Patriots. The tight end position could be an interesting one fairly early in the draft. But put it this way, if the Vikings take a tight end, no matter how good they are, 
I mean, and I hope they're freaking awesome at the end of the day. One of the two Iowa tight ends, they would have to be freaking awesome and, of course, good at blocking for me to be pleased with the pick. Uh, obviously, weapons are good. It's good to have weapons. You have weapons. You already have Kyle Rudolph. You already have, you know, <laughs> you know Stefan Diggs, uh, Adam Thielen, guys like that. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I know you want to take the best player available, but hopefully the best player available is an offensive lineman. That would be nice. Or, I guess, defensive lineman because, as we've said a quadrillion times on this show, and they say all over the league, it is the trenches. The game's won in the trenches, and, of course, having a quarterback that can throw the ball in the right place, uh, sends pressure, this and that, and actually hit their targets. That's obviously a (laughs) position of need if you're going to win a championship at any point in the not-too-distant future. So, but again, the line needs to be there for the quarterback to be able to throw the ball and to have enough time to make a play, this and that, to make that big play, make that big play that leads to something special down the line. So, let's jump right into it as best we can. Offensive line, well, one of the guys that's most likely going to be at least a part of the conversation here, is he a tackle, is he a guard? That would be Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. And the last time we took a, a uh, Oklahoma Sooner with the first round pick, it was Adrian Peterson, so... That worked out pretty good. Cody Ford was a right tackle in college. He translates to guard in the NFL, but other people like Corey Chavis and such say, well, he can still be a tackle in the NFL, so just leave him there. Uh, the Vikings need a left guard. Is he a, is he able to slide to the left side? We all know how that can be. He's, at this point, a better run blocker than a pass blocker, but would fit in the new offensive scheme pretty well as he can bury linebackers and run plays. Um, as, yes, you know, with Dennison, Gary Kubiak, and, of course, Kevin Stefanski, there's going to be a bit of a running game. You're going to need good blocking one way or another. If it's running game or passing game, this and that. Screen passes that can lead into something, of course, which, again, you know, it is a passing play, but it's a screen pass. The bootlegs, this and that. It is going to be a zone blocking scheme, more than likely. And Cody Ford could fit this team in a good way as a guard, as a tackle, whatever the heck their decision is at the end of the day. <sighs> There's going to be movement on the line. Of course, right now, again, Josh Klein's the right tackle. And Mr. Uh, Brian O'Neill is the right, uh, what did I just say? Josh Klein's the right guard. Brian O'Neill is the right tackle. Pat Elfline is the center. Left guard is absolutely wide open. That's Isadora right now at this point. And, of course, left tackle would be the guy named Riley Reef, who was off injured last season after being freaking awesome the year before. But then again, he was kind of inconsistent the second half of the season like everyone else. Doesn't help when guys get hurt, though, like Nick Easton and Pat Elfline down the stretch. Didn't hurt at all for, uh, didn't help at all per, per se for uh, Riley Reef. A lot of this, a lot of these players, it all depends. I mean, some of them are going to be there, some of them aren't. It's just the flow of the draft. I mean, you just never know until until it happens. Garrett Bradbury might go 15th. Garrett Bradbury might be available in the second round for Minnesota, which would have me jumping for joy if that happened, but I'm guessing it won't because teams are realizing just how important offensive line is no matter who you are. No matter if you have the best running back, the best quarterback, the worst running back, or the worst quarterback, you need to have a good good damn line in order to survive in this league and be a playoff team that could hopefully go all the way and get the job done. Uh, Jonah Williams is the next guy to talk about, of course. A lot of mock drafts have the Vikings taking Jody Williams, Jonah Williams or Cody Ford, how that happened, right? Jonah Williams was a right tackle as a freshman, moved to left tackle when Cam Robinson last season was drafted. In the National Hockey National Football League. I'm losing my mind. Alabama. <laughs> Alabama, absolutely. Uh, one of the powers of college football. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he dominated edge rushers all season. Did uh, Jonah Williams pass protection? <laughs> What's the Vikings undoing? He would solidify that once and for all. He really would. I mean, because there you go. I mean, you got Ryan O'Neill, who basically didn't allow a sack all season, uh, at least when he was available, when he was put in there, because, well, I mean, he wasn't put in there at the beginning of the season, they didn't think he was ready, and you were going with the guys like, uh, oh boy, I mean, it was a, it was a tough situation, <sighs> it was a tough situation, backup players out there, Mike Remmers having to play right guard, who probably should have just stayed at right tackle, I'm not sure what they were doing there, but um, again, we'll just move on, um, he struggled mightily, though, in the uh, BCS championship game, which was weird. Um, Alabama lost that one. It was a strange situation. Um, we're not exactly sure what happened there, but he struggled in the BCS title game. Uh, the Vikings' bookends of the O-line would be set, though, with this pick, because, again, O'Neal and Williams, or 
Reef and blah, blah, blah. Reef could possibly move to left guard, though I'm not sure about tackles moving to guard, how well that works out. It didn't work out just recently, so I'm not sure what to say. At the end of the day, though, you're set long-term at the tackle position with Williams and O'Neal at the end of the day, unless you want to move Williams to guard temporarily, which, uh, I don't know. Again, I think tackles and guards are what they are. They kind of almost have to stay where they are. Where guards tend to be more versatile than tackles, I've noticed that. They can move to different parts of the line, even though there's usually a better place. Like when it comes to right or left, you're used to one more than the other, this and that. Particularly right guard has generally been a slightly easier position, generally speaking, than left guard. But um, And of course, left tackle versus right tackle, there's no comparison there, depending on what type of quarterback you have. If you have a left-handed quarterback, then, well, you're going to want an even better right tackle than left tackle. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, can Jonah Williams put the uh, BCS game behind him? I hope so. Uh, he does have short arms for an NFL tackle. That's another item of note that we got to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big deal, obviously. But uh, uh, John Sullivan had short arms. He was pretty good as a center. But tackles, obviously, length is a big deal. So, hopefully, he can overcome that uh, handicap. That's just one of those type of things. Jonah Williams would be somebody I would definitely be highly considering at the position. One interesting move, though, that I would love very much would it be taking him at 18 or trading up for him at 30 or at the beginning of the second round and, you know, obviously day two because the first round is all day one primetime television. But on the Friday, up and coming after the uh, big Thursday there with the draft, going to be an interesting situation here with uh, Garrett Bradbury out of North Carolina State. He is far and away the best center in the draft. Uh, he's a quick starter off the jump, very high NFL, high IQ, blocking IQ, all that. He can pick up other rushers along the way. Obviously, you know, pass rushers and such. He opens huge holes for the running game. He would completely shore up the interior line. Completely. Um, Elf Line would potentially move to left guard. Or maybe uh, Garrett Bradbury would move to left guard. Who knows? Uh, Klein would be holding up the right guard, which hopefully doesn't uh, doesn't hurt him at all. Because Klein is still under 30 years old. And again, with good players next to him. <laughs> I mean, you know, any type of weakness Klein might have. He'll be fine. So, I mean, that's the good news. Uh, in Tennessee, things just didn't work out all so great last season. A couple years ago, it, it was looking pretty good. Uh, best case scenario would be taking Williams or one of the other tackles that we that we maybe have a huge opinion on and grabbing Brad, Bradbury uh, early in the second round or late first by trading up if need be. Uh, that would be an unbelievable situation for all of us that want this offensive line to be shored up in a big way. Oh, I'd be jumping for joy. I would be absolutely thrilled because, well, you're more immune to a possible injury to the center position. Uh, you've upgraded versus Nick Easton because Pat Elfline is a, considered to be a better player than Nick Easton. Bradbury probably going to have a better success rate in the National Football League than uh, Nick Easton as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, he can take his $24 million to New Orleans and best of luck to him. And hopefully Minnesota actually comes out feeling better at the end of the day with moves like this, which would have me, uh, I would be thrilled if the Vikings wound up with Bradbury at the end of this draft. I would just be tickled pink, per se. Pardon the old goofy pun there. But uh, that would be an awesome, awesome decision. I mean, I <laughs> Garrett Bradbury, man, I mean, that's just about what I want to happen. Honest to God, I want Bradbury on the Vikings. Can, can, can I make it any more clear? I want Bradbury on the Minnesota Vikings. I really do. Oh, But again, like a Jonah Williams or one of these other tackles. I think the best of all, and we're going to go down to him in a couple picks here. Oh, my. Uh, Chris Lindstrom as well, though. Lindstrom, guard out of Boston College, an elite run blocker. He helped the BC run game average 220.4 yards per game in his senior year. He played right guard and some right tackle. He's very mobile, has a great lower body. So, obviously, he would fit well in the zone scheme as, uh, that they're talking about. It would be really helpful for the run game. Um, again, played on the right side. Everybody plays on the right side. Everybody. I guess everybody's just right guard, right tackle, right guard, right tackle, except for Jonah Williams and maybe, uh, but even Joan Taylor played right tackle. We'll be talking about him in a little bit. Oh, man. <laughs> I kind of think he's not going to be there, but who knows? Oh, just in case. Mm, mm, mm. But yeah, Chris Lindstrom, Lindstrom, a lot of people do like him out of Boston College. I like him too, very solid, and again, if you want your running game to soar and take off, and especially if you take an additional running back here in the draft, which I do hope Minnesota does this year. Um, last year, you had Latavius Murray, and Minnesota did not take a running back in the draft at all. Uh, this year, I think Minnesota for sure will be taking a running back in the draft, at least one. Um, Chris Lindstrom, again, he would really help, I think, uh, help... Uh, Delvin Cook be even better, and of course running back du jour, which could be taken in the draft, or of course uh, 
Is it is it uh, Mr. Boone? Is it is it Boone who could be available as well? Uh, could it go out there and be successful for Minnesota like he was last year in the preseason at the very least and occasionally in uh, regular games? Um, Rock Thomas is facing some trouble right now, so he might be facing a suspension, so that's unfortunate. Uh, Holden Hill also is facing a suspension for uh, four-game suspension for, uh, in his case, would be uh, PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. So that's a huge game if Holton Hill is an issue, which here we go again. Watch Minnesota go crazy and take one of the cornerbacks. I'm not even going to bring up cornerbacks this year. Like last year, I talked about Mike Hughes as I thought he was a legitimate candidate, and the Vikings took him. Uh, I was hoping for an offensive lineman, though, and the Vikings did not take one until much later. It was a guy I didn't even bring up because he was so far down the list. Andre Dillard is a guy that everybody has been talking about with the Minnesota Vikings. He's one of the common denominators, along with, again, Cody Ford, Jonah Williams, guys like that. And, and even Chris Lidstrom has been showing up. But uh, Garrett Bradbury is the one that's got me excited because it, it just, you know, it, it, it's like a two-for-one sale with that one because, you, you know, because now you're set at guard and center. I mean, you are in freaking primo shape in the interior line. Of course, tackle is what it is, and well, you potentially, you have a good line ready to go there because Riley Reef left left tackle and Brian William, uh, Brian O'Neill right tackle. So, I mean, that's a pretty good offensive line as long as Riley Reef can stay healthy and still got it for a couple more years. That'd be freaking awesome. Andre Dillard, though, out of Washington State, he's very, very durable, unlike many, many offensive linemen we've had, like Riley Reef. I could say that a million times over. Mike Remmers was oft injured. Nick Easton was off injured. Pat Elfline was injured. Uh, your mom was injured, your dad was injured, your cat was injured, your dog was injured When if they played offensive line. And that's basically what's been the case forever. So if Andre Dillard is that Iron Man, boy, oh boy, that would be a good addition as well. Um, he would be the long tackle of the future, the left tackle, pardon me, of the future long term. Um, he's viewed as a no-brainer from Corey Chavis of Draft Nasty, an elite pass blocker, an elite pass blocker who wants to prove he's a good run blocker also. Pass blocking is extremely important. And, well, you know, I mean, it is what it is. That's what killed the Vikings last year because Mr. Old Chuck and Duck, uh, <laughs> Old Chuck and Duck Kirk Cousins made, made some goofy mistakes here and there because he was just kind of throwing the ball wherever or he makes some weird decisions because he had to get rid of it because the pass protection wasn't good. And, of course, the ongoing argument he had with uh, Adam Thielen in the final game of the season about he didn't have 10 seconds to get rid of the ball. And Adam Thielen was like, really? You think I'm asking you... To, to, to wait 10 seconds to throw me the ball. You know, so interesting conversation there. Well, Andre Dillard could very much help in a big way at that position should the Vikings go that way. I do think Minnesota's going to focus more on the interior line than the tackle position in this draft because, well, yeah, it just might be okay at least for a little while at tackle and look at it again next year in next year's draft once again. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see where things go there. Or again, you trade up and again, you get a tackle and then go for Bradbury. Which would be freaking beautiful. As long as you don't have to go uh, eat up all of your mid-round picks, which would be killer as well, because that can definitely help your or hurt your draft in a big way. Um, Jawan Taylor, he was a right tackle of Florida. This guy is as good a pass protector as you are going to get, along with the running game. Um, he is as good a blocker as you're going to get. I mean, he would literally swallow up defenders while playing right tackle for Florida. I mean, he just swallowed him up like a black hole. I mean, unbelievable. This this guy is probably the best blocker in the whole draft, and I don't think he's going to last to 18. I'd be very surprised. Um, I did a simulated mock draft, whatever, and there he was sitting there at 18. And it was just like, boom! I mean, I pressed the button faster than you couldn't blink. You could blink. I mean, I, passed, I pressed it faster than you could blink. That's how good Jawan Taylor potentially is, even coming into the NFL. And that's how good he was in college with Florida. The guy was just swallow people up. Because Florida's obviously in a... <laughs> Pretty good conference. It's not like he's playing against a bunch of like no-name schools like South Carolina and such. Um, you know, he's playing against legitimate schools. So it's going to be an interesting conversation. It's not just a you know a coastal Florida or or coastal California or or Holy Cross. I'm just making names up here at this point. But you get the idea. Uh, there's a lot to uh, Jawan Taylor. Absolutely has a chance to be incredible. Uh, he might have, might end up translating to the NFL better than any other tackle in this draft. That's how high I am on Juwan Taylor. The guy swallows people up, and again, if he's there, boom. I mean, they're the best player available, take him. That's that, that's all. That is all i got to say about Juwan Taylor. He's that good. He'll be that valuable to this team at, uh, long-term at the end of the day. 
And again, somehow, someway, you wind up with Garrett Bradbury as well. Holy cow. You go from one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL to one of the best like that, like in a, in a couple of days there. That's how good of a difference it would be with Garrett Bradbury and Jawan Taylor added to this line. I would just be freaking blown away. I would be blown away if that happened. So it probably won't, but we can always dream. Dalton Reisner, another guy who's been popping up, conversation on and on and on and on and on and on. He was a right tackle in college like everybody else. <laughs> Very strong hands, should translate to tackle in the NFL, so he won't be moving to guard. Some people believe he could move to guard. Who knows? Who knows? Um, he was allowed, he allowed only one hurry against uh, Montez, Montez Sweats, one of the better defensive edge rushers out there. Um, pretty damn, pretty damn good player is going to be taken in the first round. Um, Big time edge rusher from Mississippi State, and uh, Dalton Reisner should also translate well to the NFL. A lot of these guys are going to be first round picks or very early second round picks, just like last year. So, if you want two of them, you're going to have to trade up for one, uh, that type of thing. And if you have a crazy opinion on one of them and you don't think he's going to be available, you might have to trade up for him in the first round. Like, you might have to move up from 18 to get one of these guys, like a Jawan Taylor, if you're obsessed with him as much as I am depending on what the other team is asking in the trade, which you don't want to give up your whole draft to get one guy, because then I think that's counterproductive. Uh, you love having a nice, decent draft class, not like four players, <laughs> like the Minnesota Wild a few years ago, and they just didn't have anybody left. They traded all their players away for current players who weren't even that good. So that was pretty damn frustrating and didn't translate to any type of a playoff run either. Defensive line, I didn't go crazy here, but there's a guy who could be available if he slips. Uh, the opinions on him are really high. A lot of people love him to death, but there's always this small chance he might slip, and that's Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston, because it's become a, a position of need, and I would not be surprised even one bit that the Vikings would take a defensive tackle somewhere in the upper half of the draft. Uh, he's viewed as a steal if he were to fall to 18. The defensive line would be set for years set for years. He's very athletic. He's actually under 300 pounds at this point. Uh, very, very fast to the ball. He's able to get into the backfield very quickly and also has deflected several passes during his collegiate career. Would fit in great right next to Linval Joseph and be that Kevin Williams three technique the Vikings would love very much for the next 10 years. Chances are he won't be there, but it depends on the flow of the draft and what offensive linemen are available, this type of thing. It all depends. I mean, it all depends. All things go, but Ed Oliver is one of those no-brainers if he were to fall to 18. And if, say, like, you know, Juwan Taylor... If Juwan Taylor's there, if it was between Taylor and Oliver, probably go with uh, Taylor at this point. But I don't know. I mean, defensive-minded head coach and all that, don't be surprised if they went with Ed Oliver because he's a bit of a no-brainer as well. Like, either... It, there's no chance both of those guys would be there, though. But if either one of them is there, I think the Vikings probably would take Juwan Taylor or Ed Oliver at the end of the day if they were available. Um... If the Vikings pass on either one of those guys, I'd be very bleeping surprised at the end of the day, uh, depending on the situation, I suppose. Wide receivers, well, like Paul Allen's fallen in love with Andy Isabella. you got to check him out at best. Uh, last year, he was right about Anthony Miller, who unfortunately won up with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Andy Isabella, he's got a great first step to avoid tackles, very shifty, excellent straight line speed. He can make plays in stride even in heavy traffic. He, he reminds me of Jarius Wright a bit, maybe a better version of him long-term, because Jarius Wright could make those big plays on third down. Uh, he could be a nice fourth or fifth round pick, but he probably will go in the third round. That's my guess. And I don't know if I want to spend a third round pick on a wide receiver when you have Adam Thielen and uh, Stefan Diggs already on the Vikings roster, and you have other needs. Defensive line, uh, linebacker, offensive line, this and that. But it all depends on just how obsessed with him they truly are. Uh, running backs, got a couple of these to look at. Uh, again, Vikings will probably end up passing on every one of these guys, or they'll get drafted before we even have a chance to take them, or where we believe their draft stock should be. Uh, Trevon Williams out of Texas A&M. The guy's got explosive speed. I mean, he is extremely fast. He has the ability to elude defenders at a high speed. When given space, this guy can go all the way, or at very least do a ton of damage. I mean, when the guy gets loose, it's a big deal. And you will hear Paul Allen say, like he used to say with the uh, in the Adrian Peterson days, like, he's loose! 
So you would hear it with Trevon Williams if he somehow won it by the Minnesota Vikings. He also could make a nice kickoff returner because he's got such incredible speed. And I'm saying kickoff returner, not punt returner. Um, he's more than capable of a receiving back as well. He made 27 catches and 278 yards, which of course is significantly limited in games. Only 11 games in college, so compared to NFL 16. So that could translate to, yeah, you know, 400 plus yards, maybe you know, almost 500 at the end of the day depending on uh, fortune and all that, uh, and depending on how much uh, this offense focuses on, you know, screenplays. But then again, I don't think Trevon Williams is going to be a starter for the Vikings right now with Delvin Cook around. But we all know about how Delvin Cook can't seem to stay healthy sometimes, and if you can get a good, solid receiving back who can do a ton of damage with that speed, I love Trevon Williams out of Texas A&M. I love him. So that's a guy I would very much look after in possibly the third or fourth round. Uh, Elijah Holyfield, a beast. An absolute beast. Uh, 26 reps at the Combine. He loves contact. Um, he'll, smash through, he'll smash through the pile. Also, He also actually has very quick feet and able to get around in his own running style. The new offensive staff will love this guy, ultimately, as a runner. Um, he's a bit one-dimensional, unfortunately. He's not so much of a senior back, only five yards or five receptions for 40 yards in 2018, and that was his career high. So that's one thing you got to look at. He's one-dimensional. So there's Adrian Peterson, kind of. As remember, Adrian is obviously extremely strong as well. So, but uh, if you want a guy who wants, you know, who can power through those short yardage situations, can help replace uh, Latavius Murray and such. Maybe you want to have that thunder and lightning situation where Delvin Cook is definitely lightning with that speed, and I think Javon Williams is lightning. Well, and then you got thunder with Elijah Holyfield at the end of the day with the power and the strength to get through in those short yardage situations, but can also make big plays as well. Uh, Bryce Love out of Stanford is another name that's been popping around for the Vikings. Uh, he's patient, waits for holes to develop, knows where to go. He shows a high NFL IQ, and he also has pretty good speed, too. He's not Trevon Williams fast, but he's pretty fast. Um, Trevon Williams has got, like, track star speed. I think he could be a hell of a kick returner, even though he didn't really return kicks for Texas A&M, but I could imagine him being a damn good one in the NFL should the Vikings be so fortunate to take him and, uh, well, give him a shot at it. We'll see what happens. But uh, Bryce Love is a guy that wouldn't be a surprise if the Vikings head in that direction as well. Um, I hope the Vikings take one of these three guys. And Trevon Williams is clearly, you can tell which one I like the most, but I like all three of them quite a bit, actually. In terms of linebackers, there's one guy I just love, and there's another guy who's solid, and he's been floating around in mock drafts for the Minnesota Vikings, conversations, you know, second round, third round, that type of thing. But a guy who could be a first-round pick, obviously, and probably will go in the first round, and if the Vikings want to head this direction to piss off the fan base, but also to shore things up in the linebacker position, is Devin Bush out of Michigan. That guy is a game-breaker, I think. I think he could be a game-breaker in this league. Um, he could be an upgrade over Anthony Barr, an upgrade over uh, <clears throat> over uh, Kendricks as well, Eric Kendricks. As good as those guys are, they're fantastic, but that uh, that one more guy who maybe would uh, really make things spectacular, this and that. And you could see Kendricks or uh, Barr sit down, probably Barr at the end of the day, uh, sit down in plays and give Devin Bush a crack out there to really make the big plays in those nickel in those nickel packages. Uh, he could be freaking awesome out there because, of course, only two linebackers in the, nickel, in the nickel packages need be. Maybe Devin Bush could end up being a better player. Uh, multiple sacks out there. A bar is locked up. The Vikings may have to sell for someone lower in the draft, but this guy is in incredible on the blitz. Uh, he denied so many third downs in his time with Michigan. So again, those possible nickel packages on third down, or again, in, in a lot of cases, a lot of times, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to want him out there. I mean, you're going to want him out there for three downs, Devin Bush. So of course, again, he could be that big play. You could deny those uh, big play linebacker, deny those third downs. And of course, very good on the blitz. If it's getting into the backfield to get to the running back, or of course just to get to the quarterback and knock the ball away, force an interception, whatever it is, I think Devin Bush is your guy. If you want to get a legitimate linebacker without having to have like a top ten pick in the draft potentially, uh, Jermaine Pratt though, if you're looking uh, second third round range, something like that out of NC State, again another linebacker certainly has the talent to be a starting linebacker in the NFL. Wouldn't be a bad pickup into the early the, the middle rounds and all that to shore up the. Uh, linebackers, make them stronger a bit than last year and be set long-term, especially if any, anybody's banged up because people get banged up. Eric Hendricks gets banged up. Anthony Barr gets banged up. Uh, Gideon is what he is. He's a good player, Ben Gideon, but 
Jermaine Pratt could be a bit of an upgrade as well. And, of course, I'm sure he would start off in special teams and have to earn his uh, snaps in the NFL, of course, just like anybody else. But Devin Bush, I think, very good chance he would be getting starter snaps pretty quick. Maybe not right out of the gate, but I think pretty quick, by like week two, week three, or just the end of the preseason. Who knows? I mean, that's how good Devin Bush potentially could be as a linebacker. Tight ends, you got the two Iowa tight ends. They're both possible game breakers, this and that. I mean, it's going to be a interesting conversation going in. I don't want to aim too high at the uh, wide receiver position. TJ Henderson, ha- Hawkinson, pardon me, is a heck of a player. And Noah Fant, a lot of people like both of them very much. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, though, so far has been looked on as the by far the best tight end of the draft. He's looked on as a potential star. This and that, six foot five, out of uh, Charlottetown, Iowa. So he's literally from Iowa. So I guess they produced some pretty good tight ends, at least in this year's draft. At the end of the day, he's, he was a junior. Uh, he's definitely got that great vertical, thirty-seven point five inches. He's got the speed. He's got the playmaking ability. Um, Brent Jacobson believes he could be one hell of a player, but possibly a Gronk someday. So we'll see what happens. Would be a wonderful addition to the team, but do you want to go first round with him? I'm not sure. Um, it depends on just how great he does translate to the National Football League. Um, I I hope he translates well. It's you know I mean you just you can never guarantee anything. Uh, looking at Jermaine Pratt again compared to Devin Bush, Jermaine Pratt actually had more sacks last year than Devin Bush, if you can believe it. But uh, Bush, probably a bit more of a run-stopper here and there at times, you know, jumping into the backfield and getting tackles for loss. But uh, Jermaine Pratt as well, he was a hell of a player. But he also was a senior. Jermaine Platt, Pratt played through his senior year, where Devin Bush slightly younger. So that's another thing to think about as a junior out of Florida, where he came from. But again, uh, Michigan Wolverines, number 10, Devin Bush. Has a chance to be something pretty damn good. But I like Jermaine Pratt too. I think uh, he's got starter talent long-term. Ed Oliver, yep, looking forward to what he could do out of Houston. You just want to keep talking about these guys because, uh, you know, I mean, I hope the Vikings get some of them. I mean, I hope the Vikings get one or two of these players. Obviously, the offensive line would have a chance to be freaking awesome uh, long-term for this club. It's going to be quite fascinating to see who the Vikings end up taking at the end of the day. It uh, truly is. Hawkinson, again, a guy a lot of people like. I mean, if you're looking for the high-end tight end, he's the guy. He had 49 catches, 760 yards, and nah, six touchdowns last season. Again, only a sophomore. So, again, he was that good as a sophomore, which does say a lot. Definitely uh, major potential. Even as a freshman, he he wound up with three touchdowns, 320 yards, which isn't bad. About half the catches literally leading into uh, the next year. So, as a freshman, though, very nice start to his career at the end of the day. A 54-yard long touchdown last season for Iowa. Noah Fant is the other big-name tight end. I mean, Iowa really aggressive with their tight ends. He actually had even better numbers, but again, he was a junior. 519 yards, only 39 catches. His long was 65 yards. He had 68 yards as a long as a sophomore. Almost 500 yards as a sophomore did Noah Fant have last season. Pretty spectacular at the end of the day, I'd have to say. Definitely a chance to be special in the National Football League. A 500-yard tight end in college is pretty good. 11 touchdowns, by the way, as a sophomore. So his his draft position might have been even higher last year if he declared for the draft last season. But, uh, well, somebody's going to get a good Iowa tight end this year. And, uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see how things turn out with them. Uh, Nebraska native. No offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings do take a tight end in this draft. Not at all. But at the same time, I don't think they're going to use a first or second round pick on a tight end. But maybe second round, depending on who's available. And very unlikely Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson will be there at that stage. You'll probably have to trade up to get one of those guys. Unless, again, you go 18. And I just, I don't think I want to go 18 for a tight end. I don't think I want to do that. It's, it's an important position, but it's not as important as offensive line, in my mind, or defensive line at the end of the day, or even potentially linebacker. It's an important position, but yeah, it is what it is. So it's going to be fascinating to see how things turn out with this draft. Hopefully Minnesota does indeed shore up that offensive line in a big way. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, Garrett Bradbury, and Garrett Bradbury. I'd love to see him on the Minnesota Vikings one way or another with one of those tackles at the end of the day. Beautiful position for Minnesota coming out of the draft uh, after the first two days at the very least. I do hope the Minnesota Vikings take a quarterback as well. We'll talk about one that was posted 
on the Facebook page in the fan interaction segment, which will be next. Two-segment show. We're going to get to that in a couple seconds here. But um, if I am to endorse one guy with an 18th pick, it's almost too hard to do because I don't think you want to take Garrett Bradbury 18th, even though you can. And I'm so tempted to just go ahead and do that. But, oh, boy. At the end of the day, I'm probably going to go with Jonah Williams. If I have to pick one of the one of the uh, offensive linemen to go 18, it's Jonah Williams. But the guy I want most in this draft, one way or another, the Vikings to make a move or you just get extremely lucky and he winds up there, it's Garrett Bradbury. So we'll just leave it at that. The guy I endorse with 18th is Jonah Williams. The guy that I uh, want, though, one way or another, is Garrett Bradbury. So we'll just leave that as is. With that said, we'll take a quick break, come back for fan interaction with some of the uh, additional free agency conversation and some other players, how things are turning out, and other news with the Minnesota Vikings that uh, all of us are going to talk about in segment number two. And of course, you'll also hear from uh, Sebastian Balls leading things off. Hey, this is the host of the Purple Press Box Podcast, the Minnesota Vikings podcast where all opinions are welcomed. Whether you think that the team is doing well or you think the team needs some improvement, I want to hear from you. My show is based around opinions and how you perceive the team. If you don't like Coach Zimmer, awesome. I want to hear from you. If you love Rick Spielman, awesome. I want to hear from you. If you think that this defense is is ready to go for the season, great. If you think the offense is going to fire on all cylinders, awesome. Or if you think that the team might just be a train wreck, I want to hear from you. The Purple Press Box Podcast. Check it out. And the voice you just heard was Sebastian Barton of the Purple Press Box. He's making a return once again. He had it going for a little while and then, uh, of course, met his uh, lovely fiance and they got married and all that had a kid (sighs) yes sir carl is a big part of things now in sebastian barton's life but he is jumping back into the podcasting world of course sebastian barton also known as sebastian balls who has been a part of this show for many years been a friend of this show still a pretty young guy but uh got his whole future ahead of him and all that good stuff and definitely been a veteran and a hall of famer of the purple mafia show absolutely got in first ballot and all that so uh (laughs) been a big part of the show for a long time so I'm a big supporter of his show and I think he does a great job and he's still a big supporter of this show and appreciates what I've done as well so big shout out to Sebastian Barton and the Purple Press Box look for that to return on iTunes Spreaker I believe and if it's on iTunes it'll be on Google Podcasts so definitely look that up it's going to be coming back pretty soon I'm sure Um, so there's that the Twitter account want to thank Multiple people for retweeting the show. Malcolm McSween out of California and Vinrock Vinstermano. Definitely a Timberwolves explosion. First ballot Hall of Famer for that show. Thank you guys very much for retweeting the show. Passing it on to your friends. At Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account. No actual interaction there. Hopefully Mad Martin, Dave Martin, hopefully everything's going okay. He's having a you know good uh, spring here. Probably extremely busy. Hopefully he's caught up to the show and realizes he's part of the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Which was, was there any doubt... <laughs> about that coming in so for facebook mn vikings haven mn vikings haven giving a shout out to trevor wickerin's page there mn vikings haven love what he does there in-game threads off-season news regular season news this and that free agency draft and all that conversation highly recommended because he's kind enough to allow me to post links to purple mafia on that facebook page and some of you had joined that one as well so again we're kind of like you know working together a little bit and Nothing wrong with that, without a doubt. And again, now to get to the Purple Mafia Show Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Again, all this information will be in the show description. Let's try to continue off the last episode here on the Facebook page. A couple comments in there. Actually, quite a few. Whoa, where did all those come from? (laughs) Wow, that's a lot. And let's get them all loaded here. So, Sebastian basically... Why is it all backwards? I hate when it does this. So we'll let this start up. Hmm. Sebastian was saying, like people said, 
Yeah, it's all backwards. That's weird. Oh, well. Uh, like people said, last year was all or bust, and we rolled craps. With Kirk's contract, we became handicapped, and of course, that's a big contract. I was saying exactly so far we've absolutely lost in this free agency. Yes, we, we had definitely gone pear-shaped. Things getting a little bit better with the acquisition of Josh Klein, but still major frustration with the general uh, <laughs> consensus of this uh, free agency period, I would have to say. Gerald String out of Nebraska says, don't know too much about Klein. Guess we couldn't afford Safford. So we end up with the second-tier guy again. It looks like, to me, <laughs> kind of like when we reached for Reef and Remmers. Think Reef can get the job done with some help and if he gets 100% healthy. Though, yeah, yeah we, we, we certainly hope he does that. He says, just got to be able to turn Cook wide open if we want to get anywhere next season. Cousins is a low first-tier or high second-tier quarterback. Can't lead this team being one-dimensional. Think he would be fine if he had a solid running game to take some pressure off. And that's exactly what we need. Uh, running game to take the pressure off and play calls that allow him to kind of get away from any type of pressure, this and that, those bootlegs and such, play action even, uh, just something, something to kind of keep the defense honest, this and that. And, of course, again, providing that tough running game will keep the defense honest because they'll have to focus on multiple things rather than just, like, come running at uh, Kirk Cousins because we're just going to pass the ball 750 times and hand the ball off four times, which was pretty dumb. Uh, Mark Carlson says, yep, he's making fun of, uh, yep, he's, he's laughing at the whole thing with New York when they were talking about their beautiful Italian restaurant compared to Olive Garden here in uh, Minnesota. I don't remember what the Italian restaurant they were bragging about there in New York, but it must be great, I guess. Uh, Mark Carlson again, both Gerald String and Mark Carlson, Hall of Famers for this show. Mark Carlson continues, says, ha ha, great show, Joey Owijan, well done. Right now, I feel the biggest surprise is that treadmill treadmill stays. Why can't he go to the Saints? Thanks for the star, Skull, and you're very welcome. Sebastian Barton, jumping on and getting a little anti-PC here, which is okay, I guess. I mean, I don't, I'm not a very politically correct person, so please forgive what he says here. Those of you that like to get very sensitive, it is what it is, okay? The bar signing was retarded, in my opinion. <laughs> and I reply with... It may have been, if we keep using him the wrong way, putting him in coverage. See, that's the whole thing. But again, I don't think, yeah, I don't think Anthony Barr is Khalil Mack, but I think he could be used in a similar role, ultimately being a specific pass rushing linebacker, then we can get the best out of him. If he jumps back into coverage, we're dead. Sebastian Barton replies with, exactly. And us not addressing the linebackers the last three drafts haunts us. I, I agree, and that's why I was talking about Devin Bush. What would you think about Devin Bush, Sebastian? I think that would be a great addition. And again, hopefully he can, uh, hopefully he gets to that on the Pro Bowl press box in the not too distant future. Here, he's off, uh, also unveiled the new logo of the show as well. So some definite good stuff to check out. I was saying it's been heartbreaking, along with the O line, of course. Sebastian continues says, thinking about this in 2015, Greenway announced 2016 was going to be in for him. Okay, did we draft linebacker high? Nope. 52 retires. Did we draft linebacker high? Nope. 2017. Did we draft linebacker high? Nope. So on and so on and so on and so on. I hear you. I, I do. I was saying hopefully we address it this year because we have to. So you're saying Ben Gideon isn't good enough? LOL. And now the three technique is a gaping hole again. It's going to take a lot to even make the playoffs this year the way things look at the moment at this moment. And that's kind of what I've been saying. That, that was my reply. And uh, yeah, it is going to be tough. But again... If we get really lucky with uh, Garrett Bradbury and all that, I think the Vikings' offense will be outstanding. Uh, hopefully the Vikings' defense can hold up. And again, if somehow, some way, we're able to get at least uh, one of those linebackers mentioned earlier. In this case, I'm looking at uh, the man by the name of Jermaine Pratt, possibly, in the third round or something like that. Though he may end up being projected in the second round, along with a quarterback that I think could be an interesting find for this franchise in uh, this year's draft, if possible, along with others. His, his name was brought up in, in the local media. I checked him out, and you watch him, and it's like, hmm, yeah, he might end up being something of, 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 of interest at the end of the day. Drew Bunting from Northern California says, put bar in coverage. Um, <laughs> that's the last bleeping thing you want the guy doing, LOL. Did you watch the Rams game? And I was like, exactly, it's the Rams game. We don't want to put bar into coverage. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I hope I hope Drew Bunting realizes that's exactly 
what I'm saying. You know, that he's not thinking I'm going the other way. Like putting him into coverage is one of the dumbest things you could possibly do. See, that's what I was saying. I was, uh, where was it? Yeah, I mean, we keep using him the wrong way, putting him into coverage. It's uh, it's one of the dumbest things you could possibly do. And yes, uh, he is saying we got to stop putting him into coverage. Yep, and we need more linebackers so he can rush the passer. And he says, oh, okay, rock on, Purple Mafia. Love the show, by the way. And yeah, thank you. Thank you, Drew Bunting, very much. And uh, I appreciate it. So apparently he's checked it out as well. Drew Bunting has actually worked with Sebastian Barden in the past with the Purple Press Box. He was the producer for that show with some of that rockin' music. Because Drew Bunting is quite honestly a rock and roll fan, I would have to say. I think it's quite obvious he's a rock and roll fan. So it's cool. We do have Minnesota Viking fans in Northern California. Sebastian Barton replying to Drew Bunting to wrap up this section says, this is where I got my start in podcasting. And yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, very cool. Thank you very much for the thought there. And Drew Bunting, yes. Very true. No, I do not want uh, Anthony Barr in coverage. <laughs> I do not want Anthony Barr in coverage. That's suicide. It's one of the dumbest things we could possibly do. So, yeah, that's definitely a big problem. So, Brett Jones was re-signed. We were talking about that uh, on the last show, but Brett Jones is somebody we've been talking to, and, you know, it's, you know, obviously he was on the team last year. He got most of his playing time early on when Pat Alflein wasn't available. He was at center, and he was just okay, but at least he's a nice, solid backup, and, well, at very least he's depth, and, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, he's still on the team, if the Vikings wind up with Garrett Bradbury, this and that. And it's, again, no offense uh, to anybody here. If Brett Jones deserves to be on the Minnesota Vikings, Brett Jones deserves to be on the Minnesota Vikings. If somebody's better than him that deserves to be on the team, so be it. That's how it goes. Uh, at, at the time, now this was as of April Fool's Day. That would begin be April 1st. Sean Mannion, at the time, had left without a deal. Sebastian Barton was very excited about something. And for some reason, he was saying best news all, all offseason. And I wasn't sure if he meant uh, Brett Jones signing or Sean Mannion leaving. I was asking him, is he that good? And then Sebastian said, nope, but just shows that the level... Let me see. Nope, but that just shows the level that has been set for this offseason, along with the fact that I do not want Mannion. When coaches say they want a veteran backup, I think that I take perhaps longer than his starting NFL career. Yeah, I mean, there's no sample size. You look at Sean Mannion's uh, NFL career, we're talking like, a, like you know, like 50 yards. You know what I mean? Passing. We're talking that. Like, uh, just random snaps here and there, maybe in some games where it's like a, a, a blowout and it doesn't really matter. So that's pretty much Sean Mannion's career so far. We'll talk about him in a minute because, well, Sebastian didn't get his wish about that one. But hey, again, may the best man win. If Sean Mannion earns a position on this team, so be it. And if somebody else beats him out, so be it. That's just how it goes. So we continue now to the guy named Will Greer. There, uh, This was uh, Matthew Collar of scorenorth.com. And it's like, hey, when they bring up a guy, why not check him out, see what they see what they like about him? Because it's kind of like, I could sit here, research running back, our quarterbacks and running backs all day, and the Vikings never bleep and take them, and it's tiring. It, that, that's where the frustration comes in when I got into all these other quarterbacks, and I'm so excited, and the Vikings never take them, and it's just, it's always some other player person, you, you know, that we weren't thinking about. So that's where the frustration comes in at times. But Will Greer, yep, they were saying he has parallel to recent Vikings quarterbacks, like Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, where he's able to elude the quarterback a bit. And, uh, you know, he might not have the best arm ever. But I have an interesting take on that Will Greer after watching some extensive uh, film on him. We'll call that digital film, though. Not exactly uh, the classic film that you can physically touch. Leland Elbertson says, agreed, he might be a, he might be starting if they keep following the path Cousins set forth on last season. Hint, hint there, as if he's like, uh, basically like, Cousins might end up being let go at the end of the round there. Um, Shelby Lund says, Easton stick, seventh round. Seventh round? Hmm. I wonder, I'm not sure what she means there. Uh, Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Leland is also out of Iowa. Dave Vicky says, I agree with Shelby. Will Greer is a third rounder, at least, if not a second. And we have much bigger, f yeah, exactly. And we have much bigger fish to fry than a quarterback in the first three rounds. Offensive line, defensive tackle, running back, tight end, offensive line. Again, not necessarily in that order. In case a great player that drops to us. Yep. In case a great player that drops to us. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I hear you. See, Will Greer, yeah, he, he's ranked as the seventh quarterback, according to, well, like, the NFL.com rankings and such, and others, they have him bouncing around, second round, third round, fourth round. I think if Will Greer is there in the fourth round, I would consider that. Um, my comparisons to Will Greer, imagine Case Keenum with a better arm. And I don't mean a great arm, but a better arm. Uh, an, uh, he's got a decent arm. It's not, you know... He doesn't have as good of arm as Kirk Cousins. He doesn't have a good of, uh, as good of arm as uh, you know Sam Bradford, Brett Favre, guys like that. But he does have a decent arm, and it is better than Case Keenum's. I think he will have a more successful career to Case Keenum. Uh, also, again, the fact that he... Well, he's got the guttiness. He's got that backyard football to him that we all love. He's able to elude defensive players coming his direction, and he completes passes. And remember, Case Keenum's season with the Minnesota Vikings was a lot like this. Well, maybe not 37 touchdowns, but the eight interceptions, like single-digit interceptions, 37 touchdowns, tied for third in the uh, in his conference there, uh, 38-64 in uh, the conference of the West Virginia Mountaineers. So we'll just have to wait and see how things turn out there. Uh, 38-64 yardage, and again, also his previous season. Now he was a junior last year. He had 34-90 as a sophomore, 34-90, 34 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and then he was a red shirt in 2016. He played uh, in 2015 and also got injured, unfortunately, in his case, 10. He was red shirt because of injury anyway. Uh, 10 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, and limited action in his first season. So that's kind of how things go there. He was a senior, actually, so he just he missed his sophomore year. My apologies. Uh, good, solid season, though last year, and again, I do like what Will Greer does bring to the fold. Again, that backyard football style that we do like, he really does remind me of Case Keenum with a better arm. That's pretty much the comparison I'm coming up with. Again, it's not this amazing, dazzling arm, but it, it, it's better. I think he can hit players downfield in stride. I like the accuracy that I'm seeing, and if you can if you can be accurate down the field, 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, that that's good. 45 yards down the field, I mean, we saw it. They, they were accurate passes. Uh, so I think he's got a little better arm than a Teddy Bridgewater as well. Does he have the gamesmanship of Teddy? A little bit, yeah. I mean, he's able to kind of elude defenders and then slide rather than just kind of be crazy and make a dumb move and actually end up fumbling the ball, right? I think is actually, that's right. I like, would like him more than uh, Kirk Cousins at this point. Uh, Cousins got the natural gift of the great throwing arm. But some of that elusiveness is missing and all that. You're going to need, like, the best offensive line ever to have major success with Kirk Cousins, even though the, his statistics last year were absolutely fantastic. It's just the bad timing, the turnovers, and we could call it choking. Wrong place, wrong time, late in certain games against uh, pretty good teams. In fact, his record against good teams has been downright uh, disappointing. So we'll continue from there. Will Greer is an interesting possibility, but, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing... I don't know. I'm guessing he's not going to come to the Vikings, so again, we won't get too excited about it, unless there's some kind of uh, opinion they have on him, and I don't know, that might start the wrong feeling for the Vikings going after him at this point um, in the locker room with Kirk Cousins and such, because you still owe him quite a bit of money, like $54 million, so a lot of money. 56 million dollars. 28 million per. So that kind of is what it is. It's only 28 million a year. It's nothing that great. It's, it's not that much. By the way, George Aloka off to the Dallas Cowboys. I forget if that was on the last episode. I'm pretty sure it was. Yep, and Marcus Sherrill's off to the uh, New Orleans Saints. Yep, it just wasn't official until those days that I was talking about it. Cedric Lang, um, somebody who was on like the practice squad, off to uh, New England. Minnesota Vikings acquire a couple guys again. Yep, Brett Jones on April Fool's Day. We'll get to the other guy here in a second. We also sign a couple of other players. Darren Smith from Cleveland. So we'll see what he can do. He's had a little bit of action at safety in the NFL. And Duke Thomas has seen no action so far. A cornerback from Dallas is a practice squad and such. Uh, but Dakota Dozier, who saw time with the New York Jets the past couple years, he's a depth move, a bit of a right guard. Decent. Um... More of a right guard type of player who can who can also play tackle. He's you know, you know he's he's versatile, which is nice. He wore number seventy. It was actually kind of decent. Uh, Gerald String says, "There we go." Like the move. Leela Numberson says, "Nice move. A little more speed to pick up the blitz." So that's good. A uh, bit of a run stopper and such, but can also again pass pass block as well from some of those interior linemen getting into the quarterback. 
somehow, some way, those three techniques and such. So at very least, at very least, you're adding a good, solid, young veteran uh, guard slash tackle to the Minnesota Vikings roster, which could make things interesting and hopefully fun at some point in time. A couple more comments here. Brett McCarthy says, more depth. I like it. He is uh, from South Dakota in his case. William Carr says, I like this move. Good blocker that takes it to him rather than just stand there. And Mark Carlson says, double D, as in, of course, Darren, or excuse me, Dakota Dozier, now a part of the Minnesota Vikings. So Sebastian Barton is not going to be happy about this one, and he does comment about it, and he says the F word, basically. The Vikings are to sign uh, Sean Mannion as potential backup quarterback to Kirk Cousins. So Sean Mannion will be on the Minnesota Vikings roster, most likely, as we head into the summer and into the early fall, into August and such. We'll see what happens. I mean, again, we'll see what happens in the draft. We'll see what happens in, who knows? I mean, things change quickly in the NFL. But Sean Mannion, maybe he proves to all of us he's at least a pretty good number two in the NFL. So, I mean, it's like, I mean, what what do we have to lose at this point? (laughs) You know, that's what I'm kind of saying at this stage. What do we have to lose? I mean, I mean, I, I don't think we have a whole lot to lose at this point. So we're just going to have to wait and see how he's able to perform for Minnesota. As uh, Mannion was taken in the third round, 2015. So we'll see what happens there. 80th over, 89th overall, pardon me, by the St. Louis Rams at the time in 2015. Ended up being with the LA Rams, of course. But again, extremely small sample size. 258 uh, yards total, one interception. No touchdowns, quarterback rating 66.4. So you just don't have a whole lot to go by at this point. He'd basically been the third uh, third string quarterback. So obviously he has he must have been pretty disappointing to be a third round pick by the uh, St. Louis Rams back when Jared Goff was drafted as well. Kind of like when Kirk Cousins and RG3 were drafted. Kirk Cousins ended up far succeeding RG3, as exciting as RG3 was supposed to be. And in this case, uh, Jared Goff is taking number one overall, and you bring in Sean Mannion, and Mannion never sees the light of day, and I don't know, and he was, like, third string last year behind Becker. So, I mean, very interesting there with, uh, again, Goff and Becker. Mannion did see, well, he attempted three passes last year. He saw action in three games somehow, some way, probably just coming out and, like, kneeling down. But it's, but he had a career-high in quarterback rating, 89.6. Yeah, because he completed uh, two passes last year completed two passes for 23 yards. So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of information here to go on with Sean Manningham. Might have been interesting to look at him in college, but uh, from Oregon State, uh, born in 1992. So he's already been around a few years in the NFL, 27 years of age. As of the 25th of April coming up, he'll be 27 years of age already. So, well, you never know. Sometimes these guys uh, end up surprising you. Uh, there was a guy for with the St. Louis Rams that ended up surprising a lot of people that uh, was a kind of player like, who the hell is Kurt Warner? He was just, uh, there was this receiver with uh, Seattle years ago that was really good, named Kurt Warner. Pretty good player. And now you got uh, a guy with the same name with the St. Louis Rams, and all of a sudden things go crazy. So, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I'm doubting we're having anything heading that direction here, but Stranger things have happened, I guess, like six round picks and the you know six round picks from Michigan, who were quarterbacks that were brought in to, behind a guy who had you you thought as a franchise quarterback for many more years and Drew Bledsoe and well, plenty of things happened and uh, even crazier things happened after that that ended up being uh, let's just say really crazy, huh? Crazier than anything you could ever imagine. So, not thinking this is the case here, but uh, just whatever. You never know. Uh, would be nice if our fortunes could change because let's just say the New England Patriots' success in the Super Bowls up until that point was uh, pretty uh, uninspiring, to say the least. With that said, let's pass out some stars for this episode. Sorry I'm getting a little weird here, but uh, it is what it is. It's weird, and you're hoping for the best, and I don't know. I'm one of those jaded Viking fans who's been through a lot already. I've been through quite a bit, and I'm not even, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. You just hope for the best. You really do. You hope that this team can draft the right uh, offensive lineman. And I do think that there's scenarios here where this team could come out of the draft feeling pretty good. And I know many NFL teams could say the same thing. 
Let's just hope it's us, okay? Let's just hope it's us. Let's hope it's our turn to come out feeling really damn good. And we actually feel really damn good five years from now about this draft. Not just, like, right after the draft and then nothing bleeping happens because everybody stinks and maybe one of them ends up being a good, solid starter for a while, but never a franchise changer. (sighs) How about something that changes the future of this team for the rest of the time? And all of a sudden, the Vikings are one of those teams that everyone talks about, all those Super Bowl championships and... Oh, all that glory and 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 fans in other cities are like they're sick of the Vikings because they just they win too much, and we're gonna say nope, we're gonna keep winning. <laughs> oh boy, oh to dream, and I'm praying to God that does happen one day. With that said, let's pass out the stars for this episode. I'm not even sure where to go at the end of the day. Appreciate Sebastian Barton's uh, inclusion on this show. He did a great job. He's going to get the silver star, so I'm getting a little weird here with that one. Um, he almost should get the gold star, but silver star. I'm going to give Sebastian the gold star for this episode. I mean, uh, obviously, you got the call in. It wasn't a comment about anything, but, you know, it's still, it's okay. And, of course, the commentary back and forth. and his, his, uh, he, You know, he has some knowledge about some of these free agents and such and the inclusion and all that. Um... Dave Vicky should get a gold-bladed silver star for what he was saying, too. Very good uh, conversation back and forth. Mark and uh, Leland will bring in the uh, bronze. Kind of love it as well. Thank you guys so much for the conversation. Thank you so much also for uh, talking with me on this show. Always appreciate what you have to say. Please do uh, call into the phone lines, 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mentioned you're calling in for the Purple Mafia podcast or your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine. Click the call now button on the Facebook page, which will go to the same phone line just through Facebook Messenger. So as long as you have some kind of cellular or Wi-Fi connection, you'll be ready to rock and roll there. Great, great fun conversation in that sense. And then there's the audio submission route, which I highly recommend. That's how Dave Martin gets on this show. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer Dave Martin. You just simply use the free voice recording application on your smart device of any kind on the planet. There are free voice recording applications in every one of them. Treat it like a phone call. Basically, press record, talk, get to the end, stop, save it, and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. Would greatly appreciate if you could be a part of things. And some of you jump on board and do that conversation Always love it. And of course, some of you out there have a microphone and a, you know, and a computer, whatever. You have a nice solid microphone. You could do, uh, you could do the same call in with Audacity and just save it and email it to that same email I just mentioned, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Uh, and then I will then convert anything that isn't an MB3 already into an MB3 file via zumzar.com or converto.com. I'm very happy to uh, give them a free plug because they give me a free service to convert those files into MB3 files. And if you need to convert something larger, into a mp3 or some other type of file some type of conversion they'll charge you a little bit maybe you jump on for a monthly fee or something so that's how that works out there final thing please do write a positive rating on itunes stitcher or google podcast if you could it's always greatly greatly appreciated if you could do that i will give you a shout out and a star without a doubt i'm going to give gerald string also a silver star on this episode for a good solid conversation always love what he has to say Always love him jumping on board. Very uh, cool conversation there regarding our offensive guard situation and such. Did I mention we need some guards? (laughs) Gerald loves to say that, and we do need some guards. And if you get Garrett Bradbury, then we're set because Pat Offline's a guard. Garrett Bradbury can be a guard. Josh Klein can be a guard. Uh, Mr. Dozier can be a guard. And uh, Danny Isadora can be a guard. So I think we've got some guards if that ends up heading that direction. Man, I love Garrett Bradbury. The thought of him being on this team makes me smile. With that said, here we go. I mean, lawn service is kicking in, I think, but now now the rumors are percolating about another late season, uh, let's just say a spring blizzard. Not a winter blizzard, but a, a late winter blizzard, but a spring blizzard. There's a possibility of some heavy snowfall in April again coming up this week. Oh boy, so uh, yeah, maybe I will be doing a draft review before we do our first spring cleanup. Or, you know, there's always the rainy days and Mondays, and that's usually where the draft reviews come up. Rainy days and Mondays, and also, of course, weekends 
coming in at times because I rarely work on Sunday. We're very, very, very rarely at work on Sunday, and that's usually when Purple Mafia gets recorded anyway throughout the season and in the off-season. Purple Mafia is just a Sunday kind of show, isn't it? Occasionally Monday mornings and this and that, piecing these together, especially shows like State of the Vikings and such, which are often a pretty big, long project. So that's usually takes about two or three different sessions to get that show all together if you get my drift. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting draft here. Lots of nice, solid offensive linemen available. Some some quarterbacks. Uh, I do think the Vikings need to take a quarterback and a running back somewhere. A wide receiver is what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings take another tight end. The guy they took last year dropped a lot of passes, but he still hung on and he was okay. And he made a couple of decent catches during the course of the season. Didn't like him all that much, but, I, but well, he ended up being better than the guy before who thought he was going to be a legend or legendary. So we'll just kind of leave it as is. But a couple of very forgettable tight ends taken in the last couple of drafts. Love David Morgan. The guy can block and he can catch. He's a wonderful tight end. And uh, he's got multiple skills. David Morgan is great. Kyle Rudolph's the guy that gets the most notoriety, of course, because he's Rudolph the red tight end. And, of course, uh, with this uh, Dennison Kubiak and... Kevin Stefanski-led offense, you're going to see tight end football for the Vikings. But let's, I don't know, I'm not I'm not on board with taking a tight end in the first round. I'm sorry, unless he's with the greatest blocker ever and can catch, like, frickin' Gronk. If he's, like, a combination of the greatest blocking tight end ever and Gronk, then you got something to go with because we could use a little better blocking, I think. Anybody, anybody out there disagree with that possibility? Or with that thought that we could use a little better blocking, particularly pass blocking, pass protection. Wouldn't that be nice to have pass protection? Wouldn't that be nice right now? Because maybe Kirk Cousins might end up being decent. And of course, if he's able to get rid of the ball quicker in this type of offense as well, compared to what the Flip Saunders, uh, John Filippo was doing. Good luck, Nick Foles in Jacksonville. Good luck. Maybe you got yourself something to work with there, and uh, but it wasn't going to work here. Not with the way things were set up. It didn't work with uh, Norv Turner either, and even though as good as Teddy Bridgewater could be at eluding the, uh, the defense, you don't have 10 seconds to throw the ball. So I kind of agree with Kirk Cousins in that conversation, just not the way he uh, pointed it at uh, Thielen the way he did. So, there it is. Uh, good luck with the uh, upcoming possible heavy snow, everybody here in the uh, upper Midwest. Uh, those of you in northern scotland of course dave martin hope everything's going great for you there miss you buddy hope to hear from you again even just a tweet or something he's kind of gone off in the in the in the, in the dormancy for the time being but i'm sure we'll hear back from him again soon uh malcolm mcsween love you always and man you guys are the greatest uh vince romano from australia listening in from afar still a great friend of course obviously great friend of this show even though he doesn't get into football as much. I mean, he does, but he's a Cleveland Browns fan, which is perfectly fine. Great to see their improvement. They have uh, had a pretty pretty damn good offseason, and things look great. Things look great. Uh, Mayweather, my goodness. I mean, they have got something going on there at quarterback. It's going to be very, very interesting how things go there. Boy, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. Uh, so, best of luck to him as well with the Cleveland Browns, but of course, again, I guess his second favorite team is the Vikings, I think. So maybe my second favorite team should be the be the Browns. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Still love the Patriots, even though they're getting really old. At least a certain quarterback is getting really old. So with that said, hope all is well for everybody. We'll talk to you very soon. Not sure when the next show is going to be. It will be after the draft. I do know that much. Will it be right after the draft because I'm still not working or it's raining or something? Or will it be a couple weeks after the draft? But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But for the time being, going to step away again for a bit, and hopefully we'll be rejoicing at what happens in NFL Draft Night. Can't wait. Can't freaking wait. And here's your little, uh, here's your little, uh, fix for now. Until then, God bless all of you. We will talk to you very soon.